Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Okay, we have the coolest testimony today. These are my longtime friends, and I met them years ago when uh, Stephen Bishop and Jennifer Bishop had just gotten Stephen's diagnosis of Lou Gehrig's disease, and he was diagnosed in his mid-30s, and here we are. Now he's in his 50s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, I am. I'm, I'm proud because, to say that, actually. Yes, I know. Yeah, who wouldn't be if you were diagnosed at 35 with Lou Gehrig's disease and you didn't think you'd make it to 37? Yeah. Or maybe not even 36. And, and your big goal was to raise your son. Yeah. And that was your dream. You, you you first thought, well, I won't be able to raise my son, Christopher. And here he is. He's joining us today. And he just finished his Marine Corps training, correct? Yes. Amazing. <laughs> I know. It's so mm-hmm. crazy. Wait, wait, before we start this beautiful testimony, I have to giggle because Jennifer Bishop, Stephen's lovely wife, Christopher's mom, who was one of my best friends, was... Um, <laughs> My first producer. And I'm giggling because she volunteered her time, drove an hour like each way. But, Dave, the funniest thing is, you know, we have numerous guests. Now, we used to not have regulars. We'd have new guests, like five or six, maybe even um, as many as ten a week. And Jennifer, everyone loves to talk to her, and she loves to talk to them. And so I told Jen, you can't spend an hour talking to each guest because it'll be 10 hours a week that you just talk to the guests. I talk to them for the 10 hours when they call in and we do the interview. You don't have to pre-interview them for 10 hours. Come on, Jen. That was hilarious. Remember I told you? Jen, you can't spend an hour talking to a guest on the phone, but you loved it. I know. (laughs) They were. They all, oh, I love your producer. We talk for an hour. She's so fantastic. <laughs> I'm like, well, no wonder this is taking you so much time, Jen. You are killing me. All right. So, Stephen, give us a little synopsis of obviously this is an amazing success story. You're all Christians. Um, Christopher's no longer four. He's fully grown up. Um, this, I mean, amazing that you have survived, but not just survived, but you've been thriving. Absolutely. I mean, this is such an incredible time for our family. And for me in particular, I mean, you're, you're remembering way back when, when I first got diagnosed, right? right? And Oof. I remember one of the goals was to see him graduate kindergarten. Right. Right. And that was a major milestone. And then it was the 40th birthday. And then it was, you know, these milestones. And to think that we've had the opportunity now to see him graduate high school was a big one. Yes. Are you um, kidding and me? then to see him start stepping into his future and his journey uh, was it's just something I never thought I'd have an opportunity to to partake in, and I'm just honored and and so privileged and and grateful uh, for what God has done for us. I mean, it's just it's really a wonderful journey. Well, I I, I wrote Chris on. I'm gonna start to cry because I I met Christopher. He's so sick of hearing this story when he was four, <laughs> and I was on TV doing the Here weather, we and he shoved his hand out and said, "Nice to meet you, Miss Angie Austin." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I love this kid." So now he's not four anymore. He's fully grown up, and he's gonna tell us a little bit about uh, being in the Marine Corps as a reservist. But um, when you hear your dad talk about this, Chris, and you know, uh, you know, surviving, because you grew up as a kid wondering if your dad would be alive when you graduated. They never hid it from you. No, um, they were always very open to me about where our family was and how Dad's condition was doing. Um, for me, part of the reason why I joined the Marine Corps is that I never really had a, a very strong father figure because I was the one having me and Mom. We were the ones who had to take care of Dad. I was I was at four years old. I was up and pushing his wheelchair um, around because he couldn't stand up for long periods of time. So, I mean, 
I was I was a little bit younger. I might not have completely grasped the concept of, of mortality at that point, but as I grew up, it definitely grew on me. And it was kind of weird because we were we were always thinking that we he should have passed away at this point, but he didn't. And I that's good, right? Oh no, it, it's it's <laughs> okay, great, Dad. It's great. Okay. I put on one of Chris's pictures, you know, because um, Jennifer, as you can tell, is a very loving mom. You just, you know, I mean, she's a, a very, yeah. Yeah, she's got her, um, my son is in the Marine Corps, is my hero. And um, so I put on Chris's picture when they got to go visit him after um, boot camp. I put, um, I don't think there's a kid that's more loved by his parents than Chris. I, I, I never want to judge myself over other people, but I can't imagine anyone loving their kid more <laughs> no, than we love Chris. Four and a half years of infertility treatment, Stephen have him, and then... He, he was not quite three when Stephen was diagnosed, and it's just been such an amazing journey, and we're so incredibly proud of him. Yeah, I know you are. It's very obvious. <laughs> <laughs> of the, the um, 1,727 pictures you uh, posted in the last month, <laughs> yeah, and the I'm missing my son picture. It's been seven days since I've talked to my son. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I just. I, I've been looking a lot at his picture. <laughs> All right. So hey, now it was thirteen weeks. <laughs> it was a long time, wasn't 90, it? I wrote him ninety letters. Did, you, did she really? Yeah, she wrote me pretty much every single day. Were you? Did you get more letters than anyone else from your mom? By far. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, though. I mean, did not have any doubt in your mind that your mom's your biggest fan. All right. So, Chris, talk about um, you know why you signed up at eighteen to be enlisted in the U.S. Marine Corps as a reservist. Let's get into that first. Well, so I've I've always wanted to join the service. It it started a while back when I, I've always been a really outdoorsy kid. I mean, living in Colorado, it's definitely not hard to do. Um, we have a beautiful state out here, and I always love to be around, be active. So, um, I I think really my my need to serve started when I was when I when I joined the Boy Scouts, and I was introduced to a couple different opportunities there. Yeah, you became an Eagle Scout. I was there for your big celebration. That was a big deal. Yeah, that was, I was 14 at the time when I got my Eagle Scout, and um, after that, my troop kind of fell apart, and I was looking for some new opportunities, and my friend introduced me to the Young Marines. So that was, ooh, that was a while back, I think freshman year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and... I've obviously graduated high school at this point, and I've just gotten past boot camp for the Marine Corps. How was boot camp? Uh, I like to say it was the best, worst time of my life. (laughs) The best, worst time of my life. And uh, I I, I enjoyed it personally. I mean, there's times when you weren't really feeling the best, but, I mean, you just kind of power through those, and you kind of find the humor in everything that you're doing. And well, your family definitely has a sense of humor, but they also have a deep faith. So did that, did your faith help you through the, you know, the physical part, the mental part of boot camp? Oh, definitely. Um, we actually had a little, uh, well, prayer group that they allowed us to have during, um, right before we went to bed and also during um, every Sunday we had time to go to church. Um, really, I, I felt that my faith really grew and helped me through the the rigors and just uh, hardships of boot camp just because you'd be having a really bad day your your platoon would just the group of guys you're training with would would screw up or something around those lines and we'd all get in trouble for it and pay and just be slayed which is just m- basically meaning that you're you do um, a lot of physical training you do push-ups pull-ups um crunch crunches side turtle hops which are jumping jacks and you're all just like tired and 
put out of it and you're getting degraded by the drill instructors. So you, you're not feeling the best at that time. And that's really when you, and it's, it's, it's in those times of hardship that you really start to look to God just as, as a protector, as someone to confide in and as just, and someone who brings people together because if it weren't for that prayer group, I wouldn't have known those those men and Marines now that as well as I would have. Because mm-hmm. you open up a lot more in there, and you have to forgive each other because it might be one guy that got you in trouble that made you do all that extra stuff. Oh, definitely. They they have <laughs> they have a real knack for group punishment in the Marine Corps. Uh huh. Uh huh. So those like seeds of you know that your p- parents planted in you over the years, you feel that that really um, benefited you. You felt that they kind of came to life when you had to be a leader. Uh, definitely, definitely, I'd, I'd say so. How does that make you feel, Jen? Ooh, uh, just, you know, there was a time when Chris, as as a young teenager, um, strayed away. And as many do. Absolutely. And I remember buying the Power of Praying Parent, and I'd pray every single day over him, and just praying that he would come back. And we received, I think it was letter eight that chris said that he was the leader letter of- eight chris you remember <laughs> they, they counted the yes well, letter eight well, the special letter i'm gonna eight. say kudos to chris because yeah. during yeah. his incredibly busy time in boot camp he found, camp, time, to write he you found guys. time to write us once a week oh. yeah. okay along with people who would write him he also made try to make sure he got at least one letter out to other people and i just i i commend you so much chris for that because i think that really took an awful lot yeah oh yeah definitely it was uh, we we didn't get that much spare time so yeah you had had a fine time to fit in usually during square rate time which is what they call it um you just get an hour of free time basically you can write letters then or you can write letters and i mean it's not completely free because they usually have a lot of stuff that you want to get done so So jen later letter eight yes letter eight is that framed already because i know you well well (laughs) kind of (laughs) well the 12th one we kind of so it's on the shrine yes on the letter shrine so letter eight um he told us he was the leader of his prayer group and he um gave daily scripture and inspiration to all these other recruits at that time and i just was like oh my gosh my dreams my prayers have finally come true and i'm just was so proud and it's nothing i've done it's all god it's all the holy spirit and um, something that was really great. Uh, the, the last day before he graduated, they call it family day and we got to meet his senior drill instructor mm-hmm. and all the parents are lined up to talk to the drill instructors and you, you know, they, you come up to him and they're like in full, you know, Marine stance. And he's like, nice to meet you. And you are, and we're like, um, Bishop's parents. He's like, Whoa, Bishop. And he smiles. And I'm like, okay, I hope that's good. <laughs> and he said, you know, I wanted to, he, great we only had to redirect him once during all of boot camp and we caught him talking in the bathroom <laughs> you're like wow wow he got it's... that after me I guess. Oh, yeah yeah Poor yeah <laughs> Poor chris but he said that um he was next in line to be the chaplain's assistant for all of the company which is there Whoa. was 520 kids and wow I was just like, oh my gosh, thank you, God. Where did this come from? Wow. Would you have ever thought, Stephen, you know, when here you were diagnosed over 15 years ago now, right? Correct. Um, that your family would be here all these years later? You, you can't even predict that. Of course not. Um, we've been so, so blessed through the years. 
and it's been gradual and in certain ways, uh, physically and spiritually, it's as Jennifer just alluded to, right? We've had, you know, where Chris was, was straying just a little bit to the, the man that he's become, uh, so full of confidence and, and truly full of the spirit. And, you know, that this is one thing that I, I just prayed consistently on while he was in boot camp, and that was that, that God would protect him spiritually, mm. physically, mentally, emotionally, because all of those things are being taxed while he's in boot camp. And I look at where he is right now, and if you don't see God moving through that um, to see where he's ended up, you're missing something. And it, it's, it's been amazing to see. Well, I think it's such a great place, too, Chris, for you to have faith, you know, in the, in the military. Um, and again, if you're just joining us, the bishops are sharing their story. Uh, Stephen and Jennifer, my friends of about 15 years now, and Christopher, their son, who just finished uh, uh, boot camp in the Marines. He's a reservist. Um, I just think that now you have such an opportunity, Chris, because I think a lot of people need faith in the military because there's so much that they have to deal with and that uh, many uh, young men and women don't really know where to go or don't have a foundation to find that hope or that peace. And so I think that you can be quite a mentor or leader, you know, within the ranks. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, the reason why I became a leader in my prayer group was I saw a lot of people struggling worse than I did. And I, I, I figured that you you get through a lot of the stuff in boot camp that happens to you because you're you're looking out for the per, you're looking out for the man in the marine to well recruit in that case but to your left and your right and it, it's all about it's all about the other person and I I think with I think God also w wants that that wants that selfishness selflessness sorry mm -hmm. out no, that's of, right and to come out of people and just I found it a, a wonderful opportunity, and I felt extremely blessed to be able to share His Word and to provide uplifting Scripture and support to people during that time of when people were being challenged. Because when I was helping other people, I it was also helping my morale and my mm -hmm. attitude as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and to come from your background, let's be honest, I mean, you couldn't have more love from your parents, right? But some of these young people coming out of high school into the military did not have the life you had and the blessings that you've had. So from my friend, the Beatrice Bruno, the drill sergeant of life, who's on a lot on the show, she was um, uh, a drill sergeant uh, in the Army, and she said that she was shocked uh, at how broken some of the kids were coming in who'd come from such difficult circumstances and then went into the military more maybe as an escape, whereas Chris saw it as an opportunity. Some kids see it as a better place, or young people, I should say, young men or women, as a better place to go than their own family. So you probably saw people that didn't have the love that you had, and um, it's easier to break them, per se, because they don't have the foundation that you have, not only through your faith, but through your family. Uh, yeah, definitely. I would, I would agree with that. A lot of the kids that they came through, they came from usually divorced families. They're Usually they would have, like, when we, on family day when I was talking with them, um, they, their families would have different last names, so... Um, just because of separations and stuff around those lines, and then also just bad backgrounds. They were they came in looking for a steady paycheck, which I mean is for all branches, but they also came for that brotherhood and that support that comes right. along in the Marine Corps. Right. So That's, put you in a good place as a leader. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I mean I'm planning on going into 
um, getting my commission as an officer so I can fly jets in the Marine Corps. So um, honestly, I'm hoping for as much as many leadership opportunities as I can get. So what's the next step for you? What's next? So I'm actually heading off at, well, I get, I'm getting up at around 3.30 in the morning. Tomorrow. To, tomorrow to catch my flight to um, Camp Pendleton, California. Beautiful. Yeah, for um, some extra training, Marine combat training. It's gorgeous out there. I used to, I, w- I was a news anchor out there in Southern California, and I mm-hmm. accidentally drove onto Camp Pendleton once, and they don't allow you to do that. <laughs> yeah, even though I was young and cute in a red convertible Porsche, I still had to be turned away, but they were very friendly, I, I must bet admit. They were. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, how about for you guys? What's next? I mean, now you're empty nesters. I mean, Chris has grown. I mean, oh boy. Well, it's. There's a saying in the Marine Corps, it's Semper Gumby. Um, Semper is always, Semper Fidelis is always faithful. Semper Gumby is always flexible. So we're not quite sure as far as what's happening with Chris because he's a reservist and not going active enlisted. So he has... So he'll go to school. Yeah, so he'll come back um, after he finishes this... Camp Pendleton. Yep, and then he has another... So he has another 10 weeks minimally of training, mm-hmm. and then he'll be out and he'll go to college and be a and reservist. that's here? Yes. Colorado. Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. So, um, but as far as... We're still figuring it out. This, uh, is, yeah. this is so new and so strange to us. To be empty We're nesters. not quite sure what we're doing. Well, and to we be, don't. you know, your, your, your Lou Gehrig's disease diagnosis, you're doing so well physically as well. So that's pretty much the... Um, second miracle, you know, Very much living so. to see your son graduate and, you know, become a Marine, but then that you're doing so well. Uh, and to spend time with them, you know, physically to be able to enjoy some things, go, you know, just just enjoy time with them instead of him wheeling me around in a wheelchair like we used to do part-time to, to just be able to hang out like normal Ish. father-son <laughs> mm-hmm. activities is just a, a, a privilege. All right, guys. What do you want to say, Jen, for people who, because, you know, you, you, I'm so proud you haven't cried yet. It's amazing no, to me. I know. Been, I can't believe it. I this prayed. Is the first for you. I prayed before I came <laughs> on. God, give me the strength. <laughs> uh, Jen used to give her testimony, you know, after uh, Stephen was diagnosed and obviously as a mom of a young, you know, um, a son and it, it, facing the prospect of raising him alone, you'd get very emotional. And Stephen even got two dogs out of you because he said, how are you going to deny your young only son and your dying husband dog so you finally relented and got dogs and then you know as the years went on you got stronger and stronger because you saw well wow maybe we are going to raise my son and that my um, Mm -hmm. husband is going to be here with me so what would you say to people who are going through difficulties because that was you know for a wife one of the most difficult things that you could ever be told that you're not going to have your husband no I agree and I think you know for other people is always keep the faith you know um, doctors that we call them practitioners they're practicing medicine and yeah. so never take the word of a doctor right. yeah um, like so they, so they told Stephen to get his affairs in order and he's been doing it for 15 years now <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a long process yeah. right <laughs> enjoy every day because we never know it, it, it's you always just, told me every every day is a weekend at the bishops yeah yeah, yeah that's every, we, and every, it, I don't know is it still a weekend every day <laughs> some these, ways these last 10 days with Chris, Chris have has been, been. A, uh, just a well congratulations crap. Christopher well thank you so much we're I all proud it. of you a lot of proud people boy when you post something about him you've got like a hundred friends that respond <laughs> yes. I'm so proud of you Christopher <laughs> all right Stephen Jennifer and Christopher Bishop thank you guys love you guys thank you. love you too thank you Thanks, love Angie. you thank you
Good News of Jesus for you in High Definition Radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hi, it's Angie with the good news. Well, the good news is that if you're feeling loss, a loss of a loved one, loss of a job, just feeling down and like you're stuck in the past, Sandy Steffes is a friend of mine. Sandy Steffes, Spirit Coaching, spirit-coaching.net, 720-353-9573. She has come up with a plan that helps you get unstuck, get out of the past, set goals, and move forward. If you'd like to work with Sandy, I highly recommend her. Again, Sandy Steffes, spiritcoaching.net, 720-353-9573. Hey, it's Angie Austin. Do you want to lose weight, have more energy, sleep better, just feel better, live longer, not get sick? Yeah, me too. So a little over a year ago, my family started working with Dr. Joe, and he has helped us so much, especially with my mom. She's now walking again. Uh, she uses a cane, but she wears a pedometer as well, Dr. Joe. And every Saturday, you offer for all of us. We can come to your office, have a free workout, or just watch the workout and come and ask you questions and meet you. It costs them nothing, no obligation. I just want people to get to know you and your passion for health. Science says the key to sleeping better, the key to depression, the key to losing weight and balancing hormones is exercise. But not a lot of it, just 6 to 12 minutes a day. And so when I'm working with Olympic athletes or professional athletes or mommies and daddies, people in their 50s, 60s, even 70s, on these workouts on Saturday at 8.30, man, we have a great time. And it literally is a 12-minute workout. It's all it is. And it's easy stuff to do. You work at your own pace and you get amazing results. Yes, yeah, so come to North Glen. Saturdays, it's free. How do they reach you, Dr. Joe? Call my cell phone, 303-349-6011. Again, 303-349-6011. All right, if you are looking for the most amazing place to go with your family where you will create so many memories, then go to my favorite place that hopefully will become your favorite place, YMCA The Rockies. Two locations, Snow Mountain Branch and also Estes Park. They've got a deal now as you head into spring. Now, dates vary, but the deal is phenomenal. Three nights in a lodge room for $168, and it includes two free breakfasts, and you get almost all of the activities for free. You get to swim. You get to roller skate. At one of the locations, there's a lot of sledding. They give you the tubes for free to borrow. You can also pay a little extra for rock climbing. They've got a lot of neat events. But the cabin deal is also really good. A three-bedroom cabin you can get for as low as $145 per night. So it's a four-night stay in a three-bedroom cabin for $582. Call 888-613-9622. 888-613-9622. Or you can head to the website, ymcarockies.org. Hi, it's Angie Austin with the good news. Would you like to change your life with Jesus? We have the third women's conference, three years in a row, Breakout with Jesus in January, January 28th, 2017, 8.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at Grace Fellowship of Lakewood Church. And we would love to have you there. We've got Beatrice Bruno, the drill sergeant of life, Michelle Ron, she is a game changer, Jenny Dean Schmidt, the channel mom, Robbie and John Yopes will help your marriage, caught in his arms ministry, that's their ministry, and me, Angie Austin, sharing my testimony of hope and forgiveness. We'd love to have you there. Go to AngieAustinRadio.com and shoot me an email. We've got tickets, very low price tickets this year because we want every one of you to be able to attend. AngieAustinRadio.com. And again, that is the Women's Conference on Saturday, January 28th. Welcome back to the good news. Very excited to welcome Brad Snyder. And his book, Fire in My Eyes, An American Warrior's Journey from Being Blinded. 
Um, and Brad, I have to tell you, my um, producer is so excited. Um, he's been talking about doing this interview for weeks now and uh, just really excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you for having me. All right. So tell us, well, just hear your story. I mean, we tell a lot of stories. Um, again, let me give you the full title. A Fire in My Eyes, an American Warrior's Journey from Being Blinded on the Battlefield to Gold Medal Victory. So uh, explain your situation, how you went into the military and then ended up in the Paralympics as a, a champion. Well, uh, you know, the, the story is basically in September of 2011, I was a deployed service member to Afghanistan uh, with an assault team that was tasked with training up Afghan Special Forces soldiers to kind of protect, uh, protect our interests in that country. And uh, in between the spring of 2011 and the fall, I, I conducted about 30 different combat operations. Unfortunately, on the morning of September 7, 2011, I stepped on an improvised explosive device that detonated a short distance in front of me. Uh, I was really fortunate to be able to walk away from the incident. However, I, uh, I suffered some pretty bad damage to my face the most extreme of which to my eyes, and I lost my vision completely as a result. Uh, obviously, it's, pretty, it's a pretty difficult, um, you know, uh, traumatic incident to deal with. And yeah. we, my family and I were able to kind of pick up the pieces uh, of our lives through swimming. And so that's what the story really covers. Now, had you been a swimmer before you went in the military, before you lost your eyesight? For all my life, you know, in, in varying capacities. I grew up in Florida, surrounded by water, and uh, we were a beach family, always out at the, at the beach, paddling in and out of the waves with my dad. And around the age of 11, turned it into competitive swimming and then ended up swimming in college. Moved away from the sport in 2006 to, to serve, you know, in the Navy. Um, and, you know, always kept up with athletics. It's a part of the, you know, it's a core component of Navy, Navy life is, is PT, we call it, physical training. So I was in pretty good shape when I got hurt. And it was kind of a natural connection to, do, to get back into um, while I was working through rehabilitation. Well, and how neat, too, because the pool you already knew so well, and so you could navigate it really without your eyesight, and then you already had the physical, you know, uh, uh, you know, ability to excel. And that my understanding is that's what you've done. I, I, I want to read a quote from, um, from you um, when you were speaking with First Lady Michelle Obama, and then I want to get into, you know, your competition in the Paralympics. Uh, the quote is, I am not going to let blindness build a brick wall around me. I'd give my eyes 100 times again to have the chance to do what I have done and what I can still do. Wow, that's pretty powerful. So what I was trying to capture there is, you know, a lot of people wanted to put me in a box at that particular time. Everyone kind of kept putting me in this victim box. It must uh -huh. be so hard for you, and what's your life going to be like? And uh, people kept using the word disabled or disability or on disability or disabled veteran, and I felt as though I didn't want anybody to assume something about me that wasn't true. And, and, and in, my, in my eyes, blindness wasn't going to be anything that took away from my ability to succeed or be happy or any of those other things. So I wanted to immediately find a vector to show you that I have no regrets. I take responsibility for what happened to me, and I'm going to make the most of the, the cards that I'm dealt, you know. And thankfully, the, the vehicle, the conduit, the medium for that ended up being swimming. You know, um, before we get into your victories in the pool and uh, how well that's gone for you, you remind me a little bit of one of my friends. His name is Jim Stovall. He's written over 30 books, and he wanted to play in the NFL, and he lost his vision as a teenager. 
And uh, now he makes movies. He has a uh, studio that actually adapts movies for uh, the sight impaired so that you can feel like you're seeing the movie because they explain it. Uh, It's the Narrative Television Network. So anyway, I would love to make an introduction between you two because he's such a victor and his message is one of hope. And you remind me of him because he went on to be an Olympic weightlifter because he's like, well, I can't play football anymore because I'm blind. So what can I do? Well, I can certainly be an Olympic weightlifter. So I love that you took the talents, the gifts you already had that God had given you. And then uh, regardless of what happened to you in the military and losing your sight, that then you continued to use those gifts. So let's talk about your experience competing um, after you lost your eyesight. Well, first, I'd like to say I probably benefit from Jim's services because I do watch movies and television that way. Um, and, and on that, there's also a, uh, there's a long snapper for the University of South, Southern California, I think, who played either last year or this season who's completely blind or, or visually impaired. So, it's, you know, Jim, is, Jim inspired folks like myself. Hopefully I'm inspiring other folks to break down those barriers and, and change the way the perception views blindness. Blindness isn't a death sentence. It doesn't mean that you have to hide in your room all day. Yeah. It just means we have to adapt the way we do things. Um, and, and so it's, it's funny you talk about Paralympic achievement. You know, where originally when I got into swimming, it, it had nothing to do with competing. It had everything to do with just showing myself and my family that I would be able to uh, continue living in, in the same manner that I did before. It kind of took a life of its own, though, when I started to make the national team level cuts, and then we went to the Paralympic trials in 2012. In London, I had the opportunity to win two different gold medals and a silver, uh, wow. silver being in the 50 freestyle, uh, one gold in the 100 freestyle, and then one gold in the 400-meter freestyle. And that's kind of the crux of the fire in my eyes story was I, I won the gold in the 400 on the exact year anniversary of the day I lost my vision. And, and going around telling that story for the last few years is really what prompted the idea of trying to put pen to paper and capture that story in a way that people could really relate to and and see themselves in my own story. Wow, that is impressive. And for anyone that doesn't swim the 400 free, it's not for sissies. It's not exactly like down and back. That's down and back, down and back, down and back, down and back. So it's (laughs) it's about a four and a half minute race. Um, And and moreover, it's been fun. It's like, so I've been telling that story and writing that story. And we debuted the story exactly a day before I went to Rio to do the same thing. And actually was able to improve upon that this go around. Uh, I won the hundred and the 400 again. Uh, I also won the 50 this go around and set a world record in the hundred. So we we took what we did in London, which was already really pretty remarkable. And and then we were able to spend four years making it better. So it's really been a fun, fun journey. uh, and, And I'm definitely a different person than I was before I lost my vision, but in many, many, many ways, I'm a better person. Wow. All right, so when people read your book, Fire in My Eyes, uh, Brad Snyder, what do you want them to take away? What do you want people to learn uh, from reading? You obviously are not a victim. You don't want to be known as a victim. Um, so what do you want to teach people through through the book? So, you know, we, in, a, in a quick quick session radio show, we can't really get into the, the, uh, the extent of the story. And, and in many ways, blindness was not the worst thing that I dealt with in the in between 2008 and 2011. I lost a friend on the battlefield of Iraq. I lost an ex-girlfriend to suicide. Oh. Uh, my dad actually died while I was in Afghanistan, and then I went blind. So when you kind of consider all these major traumatic instances all in succession, it kind of it, it beat me down for a while, but I kept, you know, in, in some ways, kept putting things into perspective and moving forward. And really that's what I want to inform the reader is that, you know, life can deal with challenges and some difficult situations, but if you continue to adopt a positive outlook, uh, embrace your family and uh, always seek to be a better person than you were the day before. All these kind of semi-cliche 
life lessons or whatever, I really put those to the test through some difficult experiences and came out on top. And, and that's really what I want to inspire people to adopt that, that positive mindset and know that if things aren't going your way, keep, keep, it, keep going up to the plate because they'll get better eventually. Well, I'm um, I'm just so thrilled to have you. I'd love to have you back. Uh, uh, fire in my eyes, an American warrior's journey from being blinded on the battlefield to gold medal victory, Brad Snyder. And Brad, I, I thank you so much. Um, and oddly enough, I didn't realize that I would be putting you and Christopher Duffley's story back to back, but uh, two um, young men I'm very impressed by. Now, Christopher uh, was born blind and with autism, and he was in foster care when his aunt found out. This young man has been such a blessing to his family. They had no idea the gift he had for music before he could speak. They were on a missions trip and he started singing and he was pitch perfect. And now he sings all over the world. Let's take a listen to Christopher's story. Music brings joy to people. And singing is a gift that I share. Because I'm blind, I see people with my heart for who they truly are instead of what they look like on the outside. Christopher Duffley here from Manchester, New Hampshire, and I'm an inspirational singer and podcaster. Joining me in the studio today is my co-host and great mom, Christine Duffley. I believe Christopher is a gift. He's a young boy with a mission. Music's been part of his life since the beginning. I think it's difficult to imagine how many people he impacts. He is helping me to achieve and understand what life is about. I don't know how you package up inspiration and put it in a can or whatever, but somehow he's able to embody that and he touches people's hearts. Christopher came to us under special circumstances. I knew that my brother was expecting a baby with his girlfriend, and Christopher was born prematurely at 26 weeks, one pound, 12 ounces. And those beginning weeks were very critical, and there were times that my brother was told he wasn't gonna make it. A period of time passed, and we heard no more about what happened to Christopher. And when I called social services, they told me that he was in foster care. I wasn't looking to be a super mom, but what I wanted to do was do the right thing. This is my brother, Christopher. Christopher showed signs of loving music from the moment I picked him up. He loved to clap and keep beat. Patty Cake was his first song. Patty Cake, Patty Cake, Baker's Man. Yes, the happy boy. His speech was simply words. He could answer questions, but he didn't know what he was answering. He just knew that was the answer to the question. When we enrolled him in preschool, they felt that this was pretty significant. And it was pretty obvious to me that this wasn't something that was going to go away. So we had an evaluation, and with the evaluation came an autism diagnosis. And so we brought him to music school in hopes that she could help with the communication. By fourth grade, he was starting to comprehend things better, starting to complete his homework. It was through music therapy 
that Christopher was really able to communicate with us and then now to the world. The teacher taught him the national anthem. What a proud moment that was to be there in that auditorium with all his classmates and veterans and family members and to hear him sing. We went from singing the national anthem to singing Open the Eyes of My Heart on the video that went viral with that huge choir. and the ovation was, was crazy. They see a story that gives them hope, whether or not they have faith. It got five million views in May, so I said, wow, that's a great, in three weeks, five million views, and then in June it gets 22 and a half million views in one week. I'm humbled. I am humbled by all of this, and it's because of that video that we do what we do. One, two, ready, go. Good, that's an octave, if you see the octave. I started working with Chris in 2014. I'm his music coach, mentor, also at times just an extra voice to help uh, get him prepared for what's going on in his life. Working with Chris at first was a little more challenging than it has become because the way his, his spontaneity is and he just kind of says, whatever's in his mind and there's no filter which is really fun has taught me to be a little bit more compassionate i think in my own life too with my own family and maybe more compassionate with myself too to you know what to, to be more blunt and in, in a helpful way he's just funny he knows how to crack a joke even though you can say a joke and a lot of times you won't know he doesn't know what it means i'm going to show you what it is like to be blind um, uh, Christopher, uh, I'm still in here. Oh, whoops, sorry. I see Chris impacting a generation. It's not just the music and just making music. He wants to advocate for people. He wants to move other people to action. I never stopped thinking of ways I can make a positive change in the world. He's delivering something to them it's like a special package for them, like this is for you. Uh, and that's what's so wonderful. When you can touch all sorts of different people at the same time, that's a gift. We all might have something about us that's an inconvenience, and we rise above it. And he shows us how to rise above it. And he's learning to better advocate for himself, and, and that's how the podcast has started. He's not really great with expressing his feelings. That's why it's nice to have the podcast, because he can sit back, listen to it, and edit, and make it sound the way he wants it to feel. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mission Possible. I am your host, Christopher Duffley, and today we're going to hear about another incredible person on their mission. I named my podcast Mission Possible because with God, all things are possible. And the people I interview on it are people that have a mission in life. 
Audio breach. Audio mix. Unchecked. Now, attention. Mission Possible podcast starting in three, two, one. Christopher does all his own editing and engineering. That's what he loves. It gives him a voice. It gives him total control. Also gives him an outlet to perhaps have his own business. I'm going to try accomplishing my dream. I am hoping to either be a sound engineer or a radio station operator. It gives him unbelievable independence because we want him to be a successful adult. Yeah, I have blindness and autism, but it doesn't stop me. He has a healthy level of pride. Pride, not arrogance, but he has this healthy sense of, you know what, I'm just going to go for it without thinking of fear. He really just thinks that he can talk to anyone. It doesn't matter who it is. I mean, let's get him on the phone and he's going to just do this. Everybody has a mission in life, or at least a purpose for life. That's what, and, and that's what everybody in this country should believe that are watching. That's what everybody needs to believe. When he sings, it's a whole experience. It's his whole being, it's his whole body proclaiming something, uh, whether it's lean on me or open the eyes of my heart. It's, it's a total embodiment of a message and it brings him great joy and great pleasure. It really moves people's hearts because they kind of get out of their self and they realize if this little boy can get through all these struggles, my struggles are nowhere near his. He can still have joy in his heart. Excellent. We'll be right back. Natalie Corrado of Remax is the realtor that truly does it all. But don't take my word for it. Just listen to some of the reviews from her website, livingdenver.com. Valerie in Highlands Ranch said, Natalie's knowledge and expertise, as well as her professionalism and warm personality, more than exceeded our expectations. My mother stated that we need to clone her. And how about Jen in Parker? What else to say about Natalie Corrado except amazing? She made the home buying process stress-free and easy. And just listen to what Courtney and Kylan of Castle Rock said. We couldn't have asked for a smoother transaction. And definitely could not have done it without Natalie as our realtor. If you use Natalie, you're not going to regret it. She is the best. When you have Natalie on your side, you won't be wondering if you made the right choice. It doesn't matter if you are selling your house buying a new house, or both. Find Natalie Corrado at Remax Realtors at livingdenver.com and she will get the job done. Your next shopping trip could change the lives of some very special people right here in Colorado. When you shop at ARC Thrift Stores, you'll not only save money, but you'll also give back to our community by helping people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, just like these ARC ambassadors. A lot of people, they have misconceptions about people with disabilities. A lot of them think that we can't do things that other people can do, and that's just not true. We can do what other people can do. It may take us a little bit more time to do it, but we can. We're just like any other human being we have feelings and we have emotions and if given the chance we can shine and I think that ARC has done a very good job at showing that. I like it there and it helps me out to learn about reading off the labels and stuff. I like helping out different people, a lot of different people I help out. Find the ARC store near you at arcthrift.org. It's nonprofit and it's a great company to work for and a great place to shop. And remember every Saturday you get 50% off most items in the store. 
Hey, it's Angie Austin with the good news. Uh, are you going through something tough? Are you feeling a little low? Do you think that there could be more? You thought when you became a Christian, your life would be incredible? Well, a lot of us can relate, and that's why for the third year in the row, we're having the Real Women, Real Issues, Real Solution Women's Conference. We've lowered the price because we want you to come. We don't want anything to hold you back. Believe me, these speakers, I've heard them. I have handpicked them. It's a life-changing message. Break out with Jesus. Go to AngieAustinRadio.com. Shoot me an email. Let's chat about it. Saturday, January 28th, 8.30 to 12.30 at Grace Fellowship of Lakewood. Again, AngieAustinRadio.com, Grace Fellowship of Lakewood, Saturday, January 28th, 8.30 to 12.30. I'm telling you, it will be life-changing. The messages will move you, bring you closer to Christ, and put you in a place of peace that you've never experienced before. I know for me, listening to these speakers has been life-changing. That's why I picked them to speak with me. I hope you can join us. Hi, it's Angie. Welcome back to the good news. Did you know that there are some signs of a stroke? I've talked with my mom several times because I don't know about you or your parents, but my mom is the one to like wait it out and not call 911. So I've specifically gone over some of the signs and I think it's so important for all of us to know because one in six people worldwide will have a stroke in their lifetime. So here to help us today is Dr. Jeffrey Switzer and also Lieutenant General George Crocker, who is a stroke survivor. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome Thank you for having us. All right, doctor, let's start with you, and we'll talk a little bit about the um, the signs and what we need to know and when we need to call for help, because I know that with a stroke, you need to get help right away because you could really decrease the, uh, you know, the effects. And then I want to talk to the general about his stroke and his experience. So, doctor, you first. Sure, that's right, Angie. There is a acronym that your listeners can remember called FAST that's very useful to, to recognize the symptoms of stroke and get rapid attention. So FAST stands for face, arm, speech, and time. Okay. So if you're concerned that someone's having a stroke, you can ask them to smile and look if there's any facial asymmetry, a droop of the face on one side. You can ask them to lift both of their arms or lift their arms for them and see after you let go, is there a drift of one of the arms or paralysis of one of the arms? Ask them to repeat the phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. If their speech is slurred or they have difficulty repeating, that can be another sign of a stroke. So if they have any one one of those deficits, you need to remember that comes to the T, the timeliness of getting rapid, rapid evaluation and treatment. So always call 911 if you're concerned that the person you're with may be having a stroke and get them brought to the closest available hospital that's capable of providing acute stroke treatment. Okay, so again, that is fast, face, arm, speech, and time. And uh, don't be afraid to call 911. The faster you get help, the uh, better off you'll be in the long run. Let's talk now to you, General Crocker. What was your experience when you suffered a stroke on that day? Well, I suffered a massive stroke. I was out in the garage putzing around with the cars, and I had a pain in the back of my head, and I blacked out and went down. My wife came and found me about five or ten minutes later, immediately recognized that I'd had a stroke, and called 911. The EMTs, as they were loading me up, they called forward to the local hospital, which is a small hospital in the rural area in north-central Arkansas, and they linked up with Arkansas SAVES, which is the Arkansas Teleconferencing Network. Our saves, it's called. Okay. They instructed them how to treat me. They treated me, put me in an ambulance, further evacuated me down to Little Rock, some 75 miles, because it was too stormy to fly. And they performed an incredible procedure that, that uh, fixed me up 
and the next day I was so much better that I badgered the doctor into dismissing me. I got up and did the Ali shuffle for him, and the rest is history because the point of my story is timeliness, timeliness, timeliness. Yes, absolutely. And I think so many people, uh, I think of my grandma Nan and I think of my mom, just like the type that, no, I can grin and bear it. It's not a big deal. No, better safe than sorry. Yes, absolutely. Don't think, well, I'll lay down and feel better or I'm just having a bad day or I have a cold or catching something. If any of those symptoms even remotely appear, then call 911 immediately. Well, General, you sound great now. So how has the recovery been? How has your life changed? Well, my life has virtually not changed. You could not tell that I'd had a stroke if you were around me. You would never guess it. That's Uh, great. I still exercise. I ski and everything. It's it's, uh, just an almost total recovery. I do have slightly less strength on my right side, but uh, almost not noticeable. Well, thank goodness, and thank goodness your wife was so on the ball to get you help right away. Um, If people want to get more information, uh, Doctor, where should they go to, again, go through the uh, fast face, arm, speech, and time, and maybe share that with their family members? Sure. There's a website, www.strokeawareness.com, where your listeners can get more information. Wonderful. Dr. General, thank you so much to both of you. Thank you. Great info. Great info. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com.